Merry Christmas. Great to be here with you guys. Great to be celebrating with you. We are walking through a series that is called What a Gift. And it's been this month of December as we've been taking some time to look at the greatness of Jesus Christ and all that he is as the gift to us in this Christmas season. And we've been looking at different facets that we get from our Savior. There's so many along the way, four that we're looking at, and you can see the words on the stage behind us here, right? We started with hope, and we talked about the hope that we have. Yes, a hope that they had of Christ coming the first time, and yes, a hope that we have of Christ coming a second time, him as King of kings and Lord of lords, Jesus Christ. He is bringing eternal life, and he is restoring all things. Ready? And all of God's people said, Amen. That's a huge deal. And, and the next one was joy as we look at the celebration we can have in him. And we had a giant Christmas celebration, just an awesome day as we had the choirs here and people packing it in all day long as we made much of our Savior, Jesus Christ. There is a joy in knowing him, a depth and a richness that comes in being with our God personally and powerfully, a, a joy. And now we're moving into these last two, love and peace. So love today and peace tomorrow during the Christmas Eve services. And so as we talk today about love, we wanted to make sure we grasp a little bit of how our God loves us and in what way he has loved us. And uh, as we do that, let's just get started. First, I'm going to read in Luke chapter 1, a little bit of the Christmas story, verse 26. It says, in the sixth month... The angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. Everybody say that's a big deal. Like we better grasp that this is about kingship. When he says house of David, he's like, hang on, I'm now talking to you about kings. He says, and the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. I love that way of saying it. The angel shows up and he's like, Greetings. And she's like, What's that supposed to mean? Right? As she's trying to figure out what he's talking about with this blessings and this favored one. And she was greatly troubled, it says, And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. For you have found favor with God, and behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. Man, we serve the king of the universe, and all of God's people said huge deal. And so what does it look like for that God to come into this world? What does it look like for Jesus Christ to love us in the midst of being son of the most high and the king? And what does that look like? Let's jump in here and grab a little bit of it from Philippians chapter two, Philippians chapter two. And, uh, Who is this God that became man and how is he loving us? How should I respond? Point number one, follow. Uh, Jesus, being fully God, willingly and sacrificially humbled himself. Follow. 
Jesus, being fully God, willingly and sacrificially humbled himself. Man, let's make sure we follow after that God, that we allow him to do a work in our lives. And uh, Philippians chapter 2, as we start in verse 5 here, it says, Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. And uh, what mind is he talking about? Remember, you never jump into a passage without getting the context, right? And verses 1 through 4 here of Philippians give us this massive context. As Paul is writing to the church at Philippi, he's like, here's the deal. We're going after unity. We're going after a togetherness. We're going after a community, a a oneness in the midst of our walk. And this unity, it needs to have humbleness It needs to have sacrifice. It needs to have love for other people in the midst of the church. Man, if we're going to follow after our God, we have to make sure we have a oneness in it. That's what he's saying in verses 1 through 4. Get after a oneness that has this massive, humble celebration, loving those around you. So that's where we're picking it up in verse 5, this mind of humility, this mind of unity. Verse 5, it says, have this mind among yourselves. Make sure you're grasping what it is to have this mind. Now, that phrase, have this mind, literally means think like this. In the original language, it said, think this way. Think unity. Think humility. That's what he's saying, all right? Have this mind in you. Think this way, which is yours in Christ Jesus. Know this, if you've trusted Christ as Savior, if you believe that he has risen from the dead, if you confess him as your Lord, if you're like, you're in charge, God, take over, man, that's saved. And if you're saved, if you are a part of Christ Jesus, he's like, hear me, he's going to be doing a work in you that will rock your world. And as Christ does a work in you, you will begin to think more unified with all of those who love Christ around you. You will begin to be more loving and gracious and compassionate because that's exactly who Christ is. And as he pours into your life, so it now starts to pour out of you. He's like, have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. Make sure you grasp all that Christ is and follow with all you've got. Now he starts to define Christ Jesus a little bit. He says, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. Though Jesus Christ was in the form of God, remember John chapter 1. It says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Jesus Christ is God Almighty. And it says, in the form of God. In fact, in the original language there, it's saying very bluntly that his nature is divine as well. That Jesus Christ has a character that is God. Not like God. God. He is in the form of God. He and God the Father, one. This is a, everybody say this is a huge deal. Dude, this is a huge deal. And to say he's in the form of God, like, you know, he kind of, he sort of resembled him a little. Like, that's not, everybody say not that. Not that. Exact representation in the form of God. His nature is one with God the Father. Huge deal. And, uh, who, being in the same form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. 
meaning he didn't hold on to it and cling to it and say, no, it's rightly mine and I'm going to hold it. Like, I'm going to be just like God the Father, and everyone who looks on me is only going to see me as the most awesome being in the universe. Like, he did not say, I'm clinging to that, and I'm not letting go. Everybody say, not that. Otherwise, we don't have Christmas. We all get that, right? Like, the Christmas moment is when he takes and sets that aside. And he did not consider it something to be grasped. Man, if we're going to go after unity within the church, we have to make sure that we're not grasping for something that makes me great, but instead it's humbly allowing me to care for those around me. Ready? And all of God's people said, it's like, make sure we grasp the humility. That's who our God is. Have you ever had a moment in your house where you have these values Whatever the values are in your family, you're like, we're always about this, whatever that thing is, right? Our family will always watch this specific Christmas movie. Every year, this is going to be us, man. We're going to watch whatever your movie is. It's a Wonderful Life. We're going to watch it every year. We're going to know every detail of it. We're going to quote it together. If your family is saying that, you are not our family, right? I don't know. We don't... We don't have that special Christmas movie, and I would love to. This year, I've been watching Christmas movies on my own. My wife falls asleep a little bit earlier than me, like around the 9, 10 o'clock time frame. She's up a long time. We talk together and have a great life together. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> Did I salvage that at all? A little. But, but at, later on at night, I end up watching some movies uh, on my own. I've watched It's a Wonderful Life. I've watched White Christmas. I've watched some of these old school ones. You watch the newer Christmas stuff and it gets kind of, I don't know, I don't even like the stuff they throw into them, but you watch the old school stuff. There's just a lot of nostalgia in it. It's amazing what they have going on in there. And uh, there's a few of them I wouldn't watch, but I've watched a couple of good ones and uh, enjoyed watching those. Last night, watched a real good nostalgic one with my wife, Die Hard. That was great. Uh, I don't know. You know, you get into, (laughs) this isn't even in my notes. I don't know where I'm at right now. So bottom line is love watching to be able to celebrate as a family, to have these plans as a family. We structure things and whatever your thing is, this is what we're about, right? And then all of a sudden, one of your kids starts like not wanting to do that thing. And you're like, what's up with you, man? You're one of us. Like what's going, right? And, and that's exactly what's going on here. Like we are children of God Almighty. Man, if you have trusted Jesus Christ, You are in the fam, and this is what God is about. And he's like, I am all over humility, and I am all about unity. And then as we start running around trying to make it all about me, we are completely missing the point, and we're missing out on what our family values are, and we're not going after who our God is, and we're not letting him make an impact in our lives, right? It's a huge deal. Follow after your God with all you've got, man. He is the one who was in the form of God the Father, but he didn't count it as equality to be grasped. He was good to let it go in humility for the bigger plan and glory. That's our God, man. Like he gets humility through and through. May we grasp it with all we've got. It says, but he emptied himself. And there is so much theology in this short little passage. 
He emptied himself, the Greek word there, kenosis. I only want to say that because it's really important you know. There's a very specific word for emptying, and it doesn't mean take the cup and pour it out like there's nothing left. It doesn't mean that. He basically is setting aside privilege. That's what this means. He's setting aside privilege. He did not set aside ability. Everybody say, not that. He is still God, man, fully God, and now fully man. He didn't set aside the ability, he just set aside the privilege, the right to call it out, the going after it. He's putting that back in the hands of God the Father, and he's like, the ability's there, but I'm not doing it except when God the Father says to. He's emptying himself, he's setting aside privilege as he comes down. Yes, still fully God. For anybody who thought theologically that Jesus became un-God in order to become man, Nope, that's not what it's saying. Fully God and fully man, okay? Jesus Christ, he set aside the privilege. Everybody say privilege, Privilege. not the ability. Really important we grasp that, okay? And as he emptied himself, he set aside privilege by taking the form of a servant. Just so you know, uh, that's you and me. By taking the form of a human being. By beginning to look like that. In fact, it says, by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. And a really important that we see there, it says being born in the likeness of men. That word likeness, it's the outer form. There's this look and appearance of man. He is fully God, fully man. And it's looking like to man in the physical world. He looks like another guy, right? He's taken on this fully man moment. And just so we're really clear, he has emptied himself, he has humbled himself, he has taken the form of a servant, now he looks like you and me. We need to grasp how little we are in light of how great he is, right? And he is over everything, and he is now putting himself under as he steps into this world, Jesus Christ. Uh, Did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. Being born in the likeness of men. uh, You know, if we go back and we take a look at the Christmas story, just stay where you are in Philippians 2, but I'll just continue reading Luke chapter 1, the passage that we left off. The angels approached Mary And Gabriel had something to say to Mary now in verse 35. We pick it up. And the angel answers Mary, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. Fully God, emptying himself and clothing himself with humanity and he's going to be your child. Hang on. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. This is that moment where Mary was told the plan of Philippians chapter 2. Mary is having it revealed to her that fully God is coming down 
and he's going to take residence with you as fully man, your child. He is the son of the Most High, but he's going under. Humble and loving and gracious for you. Why would he do such a thing? Take a look what it says right after it. And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Jesus knows the plan from the beginning. He's like, I love you. And I'm stepping into this moment. I'm humbling myself right now for you. I love you. And I am going to lay down what you cannot lay down. I am going to bring my life to bear and my blood to be shed on the cross for your eternal life. Get ready. I'm going to rock your world. Jesus Christ. As he came into this world, he wasn't like, all right, all right, I'll go. I don't know what I'm going for. Not that. He knew exactly what he was going for, and he was going to be obedient even to the point of death, even death on the cross. Man, we have to grasp how horrible death on the cross was, how humiliating death on the cross was. It was for the lowest of the low thieves. It was for the worst of the worst criminals. It was the most struggle. It was the hardest pain. It was the longest time just hanging there as people looked and mocked. He knew he was taking on from the highest of the highs. He was going to the lowest of the lows, death for you and for me because he loves you. He loves you with all he's got. It says, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. He allowed God the Father to be in charge as he stepped aside and said, I set all my privilege down. What needs to happen next? Here we go. And Jesus Christ went after it. Why would he do it? Well, number one, because the Father loves you. John 3, 16 says, for God so loved the world. Everybody say so. so. That's a really big deal, just so you know. In that passage there, he could have just said, for God loved you. Didn't say that. For God so loved you. It's pumped up. It's amped up. So loved you. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Everybody say, that's Jesus. Him for me. The father loves you. And he gave him up that whoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life, hope, life eternal, joy because of him. That's the Father's love for you. But also it's Jesus' love. Ephesians 5.2 says, and walk in love. This is Paul calling it out. He's like, walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us a fragrant offering and sacrifice to, love, to, to God. As Christ loved us, the Father loves you. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, loves you, the Son of the Most High, and he's like, I'm in. If there was no one who believed in me except you, I'm in. Jesus loves you. 
with all he's got, pouring it on the line. As he did not consider equality something to be grasped, but he handed it over for you. God the Father loves you. Jesus Christ, God the Son, loves you. And he loves us. May we follow him. May we give him our all. May we trust in him with all we've got. Ready? And all of God's people said, that's a huge call. May we go after him with all we've got. You know, uh, this past uh, winter here has been a number of different things breaking in our house along the way. It's been one of those, you know, we're at that 10-year point. We've been here 10 years. Can you believe that? 10 years we've been downstate here and loving it and being a part of life here. And we've been in our home 10 years. So it's right at that time where all the warranties are up. So now everything breaks, right? And uh, so we've had a few things break, but one specifically just recently, the garage door went. Now, it turns out we were actually reprogramming it. All right, I was reprogramming it in the car. And what I didn't know is when a garage door gets a little older, it's a little more sensitive to temperature. I didn't know that. Maybe you didn't know that either, so now you're learning something. But just so you know, if you have a little bit older garage door, it can only go up and down four times within a couple of minutes. And on the fifth one, smoke. (laughs) And uh, so I'm sitting there programming it, and I'm trying to get it, and it wouldn't go. And then I had to do it again, and then again, and then again, and then again, and I heard... And I looked up, and there is literally a waft of smoke coming off the top of the garage door opener, just this big, thick, blackish, and I'm like, that can't be good. So I wonder what that is. So I got out of my car. I climb in the back of my pickup truck so I can get up closer to it. I'm looking at it. I'm like, is it on fire? Like, do I have to kick it off the wall? What's going on, you know? So I'm looking at this thing, and the smoke is coming up, and I'm like doing this, and the And the smoke is kind of dissipating away, and then it's kind of gone. And I was like, what in the world happened? I went in, and I looked up a few things. Turns out I blew the starting capacitor. And if you don't know anything about electronics, bottom line is it gives you a little extra juice to be able to start pulling the door, getting the motor started. So the starter cap blew. Well, it only cost like 20 bucks to fix. So I went, found a place that actually had a starter cap. That was not a small job trying to find who would actually sell the product because everybody doesn't want to sell the product. They want to come fix it for you for hundreds and hundreds of dollars, right? So I finally found a guy who would sell me the cap. So I drove out there. It was about a 45, 50-minute round-trip drive. Got the capacitor, brought it back, 20 bucks, take the whole thing apart, pull the capacitor out, plug it back in, get it all set back together, come back, push the button on the wall, and it goes down perfectly. I'm like, do you see what I have done? Right? I'm like, baby, you got to check this out. Come here. Push the button. Goes up. See? Is that not awesome? And uh, then I went and clicked the remote. Nothing. <laughs> Nothing. And I'm like, well, it must just need to relearn or something. i got to figure that out because I had to unplug it and everything. I'll figure it out later. So we had to go off. We came. We did whatever else with life. I came back to it later on, and I'm training it, doing the learner button thing. Nothing's happening. I'm like, this is crazy. I'm going to have to take it apart and see what I did. So I'm climbing up there. I'm holding the remote, climbing up the ladder, going to unscrew it. And as I reach up, I've leaned on the button, and the garage door starts going down. No kidding. So I, I like push the button and it comes back up. I'm like, oh, it's working. So I come back off the ladder and I click the button. Nothing. 
Turns out the remote now only works from four inches. <laughs> That's a feature. It's really handy to have, right? You're like, hang on. Run in the house, run around through the garage, go up, go like this, click the button, thing opens, run back out around and go out, get my car, pull it in, park it. No, that's not going to happen, right? I'm like, all right, this is done. I actually took it apart, checked it a little bit, and when the capacitor blew, it just blew a bunch of junk under the receiver, and it just had crud all over it. It's done. Like, by the time I fix all that, it ain't going to work. So we went out to Lowe's that night, bought a garage door and had them come install it real quickly the next day and get it all done. Praise God, we got the garage door in. We bought a nice silent one now. It's uh, perfect. Everything's running fine, right? Uh, the whole point to this story is this. <laughs> Have you noticed that when you click something and it's transmitting, but there's no receiver on the other end, you get nothing out of it? Have you noticed that? And God's like, hang on, man. I'm sending you a simple message of love. Are you receiving it? Are you grasping how much I love you? Like I am in charge of the universe. I'm over it all. And I'm going under for you. I love you. God the Father loves you. Jesus Christ, God the Son, loves you. Man, are you receiving the message? Are you hearing it? Follow him with humility, with passion, and reciprocating that love back. I hear you, Lord. Amen. Right? That's point number one. Point number two. Point number two. Exalt. Every knee will bow to the great name of Jesus Christ. Exalt. Every knee will bow to the great name of Jesus Christ. We start out in verse 9 here. It says, therefore, and when we see the therefore, we say, therefore. Right? don't lose sight of it. Even in the middle of a flow, where are we at, right? And we've just gone through. God Almighty, he is over everything. He has put himself under for you. He loves you. He's not declaring equality with God a thing he has to hold on to. He's willing to sacrifice it all for you. Even being obedient to the point of death, death on a cross for you. Therefore, because of that, he says, therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name. Because Jesus Christ was over it all, but willingly put himself under for you and for me. God the Father is like, hang on, because I am going to take him from under, and I am raising him back up like you would not believe. Hang on, I am exalting him up like none other. Why? Because he went down low like none other. His humility cannot be matched. So his exaltation will not be matched. His will be the greatest exaltation ever. Raised up, Jesus Christ, him for me. And God the Father making it super clear, get ready, because that humiliation is going to be short term. And I am going to raise him up like you would not believe he says, therefore, God has 
highly exalted him. Everybody say highly. highly. Right? Ephesians chapter 1 talks about Jesus Christ. When he ascended on high, he was seated at the right hand of the Father. He is sitting right there. He is with God. He is God. He is seated. Why? Because the work is done. He has highly exalted him up at that place, and he's still got more exaltation to come. Praise be to God. He's doing an amazing work with Jesus Christ. He is king of kings. Man, let that settle. Man, we know of the word king, and it's a, it's a human term. You look at all the kings in the Bible and how messed up they got. You look at all the kings in our world today and how messed up they are. This king makes no mistakes. And all of God's people said, King of kings, Jesus Christ. He is seated at the right hand of God the Father and he has been highly exalted and says, and bestowed on him the name that is above every name. There is no name that is above this name. He alone has that. You know, it says that his name is above every name. And uh, ran into this this week. You may not even know this, but John chapter 17 is a sweet prayer of Jesus right before he went to the cross. And this prayer of Jesus is so worth slowing down and going phrase by phrase through or sentence by sentence. It's amazing what his prayer is in John 17. And it's a number of verses. It's a long prayer. But in verse 4, Jesus said this. He's talking to God the Father in a prayer. He says, I glorified you, Father, on the earth, having accomplished the work that you gave me to do. God the Father's will, God the Son in obedience as he goes to the cross, he dies and he rises for us. We all getting that? Jesus Christ, he sacrifices humbly. So Father's will sitting over and he set aside privilege allowing the Father to lead and guide in it. He says, I glorified you on earth having accomplished the work that you gave me to do. And now, Father, ready? Glorify me in your own presence with the glory that I had with you before the world existed. Are you hearing that? Does Jesus know the plan? Oh man, he's got it locked down. And he's like, all right, I have held on to what it is to be God Almighty. I have gone from overall to under all. And I have humbled myself for this sacrifice. I love. And I am ready now for you to give back to me the glory that I set aside as privilege for the moment lost. God, bring it back to me. And as Jesus Christ goes to the cross and dies and is buried and rises again, declaring his authority and his power, as over those next 40 days he meets with and makes clear he is God Almighty and he has conquered death and he has conquered sin, when he ascends into heaven, he is seated at the right hand of the Father, and that prayer is beginning to be resolved. As Philippians 2 says, God the Father is like, I hear that prayer, and I'm answering that prayer, and I am highly exalting you, 
of no name will be equal to your name. Get ready. Man, that is our Savior, Jesus Christ. Everybody just say, He is my Savior. Louder and bigger. He is my savior. Get ready for that to be declared out by billions as they celebrate the greatness of God Almighty for eternity. He has been highly exalted and he has the name that is above every name. It says, so that, verse 10, so that, always stop on that one, purpose statement, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, at the name of Jesus, or in the Greek, Jesus, or in the Hebrew, Yeshua, at that name, which means Savior. We just declared out, He is my Savior. At the name Savior, every knee will bow. Every knee will bow. How many knees? Every knee will bow. On heaven, on earth, And under the earth, every knee will bow. Some in absolute hope and joy and love and peace as you are declaring out, that is my God and I am in. And some with an absolute grimace of pain as they refuse to give him what is rightly his, but it will not be taken from him. Every knee will bow bow. Hear me, man. Do not miss it. There will be a bowing, and Jesus Christ will be receiving all the glory due him. And all of God's people said, huge, man, that we grasp this moment, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, you're in charge. That's going to be said. And do you know that God? Are you leaning on that king? Are you receiving the message from him of hope and joy and love? He loves you with all he's got. Come worship the king. May he get all the glory love. It says, and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Ready? To the glory of God the Father. To the glory of God the Father. I love that. Like, man, if you think God's not about glory, reread scripture, right? And just so we're clear, the Holy Spirit brings glory on Jesus Christ the Son, John chapter 16. So the Spirit is pointing to the Son, And the Son is longing for God the Father to have glory. He's pointing to the Father and His will and His way. And there will be glory brought to the Father as the whole of the will and the plan of God Almighty is thunderously declared into this world. Jesus Christ. That is our King, man. So as we come into this Christmas season where it looks like it's about movies and decorations and family and food. And it can be, man. There's nothing wrong with celebrating those pieces. Know this. It is about so much more. Your God 
loves you. And he's poured it on the line. He is over everything. And he humbled himself and went under so that you might have eternal life forever with him, always glorifying the Father and the Son and the Spirit. May God get all the glory. And all of God's people said, remember what the angels declared, glory to God in the highest. Don't miss that. See, we move on pretty fast. Like, yeah, right, and peace to us, right? Like, what do we get out of this thing? No, glory to God in the highest. Man, he is love. God is love and he's bringing it with all he's got. Are you ready to love him? Are you ready to honor him as the one exalted above all? Are you ready for the name of Jesus to not just be some name you say at Christmas and Easter, just in a moment, but it is your life, it is your living, it is your God. Give him your all. And all of God's people said, amen. 